Welcome to the Lakeside Baptist Church Podcast. We pray you are blessed as you hear the Word of God today. For more information regarding Lakeside Baptist Church, please visit lakeside.asn.au. Because of the things that he said and the things that he did, he was uh, born in Cyprus, as I said, a Cypriot Jew, and became an apostle, and we pick that up in Acts chapter 14, verse 14. And so went on missionary journeys with the Apostle Paul, and uh, they went together and preached the good news about the Lord Jesus Christ. But before he joined up with the Apostle Paul, uh, Paul was uh, a guy who'd had a really hard time, and God sends Barnabas to him uh, to encourage him. Um, and to, to be able to, to breathe fresh heart into him, uh, to, to lift him up, as it were, uh, when he's going through a hard time. And, and Barnabas had this amazing gift uh, to be able to say the right things at the right time to lift uh, somebody up. It's as if he was breathing fresh heart into those he came into contact with. You know, you get uh, some people who, who can just say one or two things that can break you down. Barnabas was one who could say a couple of things that you really needed to hear and would lift you up and would breathe fresh heart uh, into you. And so he was this great leader with the right attitude to be able to say the right words at the right time to people. And he was able to come alongside them and almost carry the weight of what they were carrying. And so that burden shared uh, was a burden halved, and he was able to fill them up with the right words. Uh, William Arthur Ward said uh, in that next slide, flatter me and I will not believe you. Criticize me and I may not like you. Ignore me and I may not forgive you. Encourage me and I will not forget you. Encourage me and I will not forget you. And so... Let's take a look at who this man, Barnabas, was from Acts chapter 11, verses 19 to 26. Now those who had been scattered by the persecution that broke out when Stephen was killed traveled as far as Phoenicia, Cyprus, and Antioch, spreading the word only among Jews. So persecution comes uh, after uh, Stephen uh, gets, uh, was stoned to death in Acts chapter 6, and the Christians began to scatter. And that's what persecution does. Uh, the words, uh, people scatter, and they go and tell their story uh, wherever they are. Verse 20, some of them, however, men from Cyprus and Cyrene, went to Antioch and began to speak to Greeks also, telling them the good news about the Lord Jesus. The Lord's hand was with them, and a great number of people believed and turned to the Lord. News of this reached the church in Jerusalem, and they sent Barnabas to Antioch. When he arrived and saw what the grace of God had done, powerful verse, verse 23, when he arrived and saw what the grace of God had done, he was glad and encouraged them to all remain true to the Lord with all their hearts. He was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit and faith, and a great number of people were brought to the Lord. Then Barnabas went to uh, Tarsus to look for Saul, and when he found him, he brought him to Antioch. So for a while, a whole year, Barnabas and Saul met with the church and taught great numbers of people. The disciples were called Christians first at Antioch. We know that Paul was this massive persecutor to those who followed the Lord Jesus Christ. 
and he would go around, and uh, it says in Acts, the word that's used there says that he almost sniffed them out. He sniffed out Christians to find those who, whom he could persecute. And he goes around and finds them. But now God touches Paul, cha- changes him from Saul to Paul, and Paul uh, goes away for three years, learns about the Lord Jesus Christ, and comes back and begins to preach the good news to those he comes into contact with. He goes into their towns and their cities and preaches about them. But the people won't believe him. Why should we believe you, Paul? Uh, you used to kill our people. So we don't trust you. We don't believe you. And so, um, you, you know, you, you begin to feel it's unfair and unjust. But here is a man who uh, had total conversion total transformation, but is uh, not being believed by those he comes into contact with. How can you, before you used to kill us, now you want us to believe you, so you can trap us and kill us again. And so Paul went through this really difficult time, and God sends Barnabas to him to build him up. God sends somebody to try and lift him up in this difficult time. Now, folk, we all go through hard times. That's the reality. By virtue that we're alive, uh, we go through hard times. If you're not going through a hard time, lift up your hands so we can pray that you begin to go through. No. But by virtue that we're human, we go through hard times. And so Paul faced difficulties just in you, and that's the reality, just as you and I face difficulties all the time. We're alive. George Truett, the story goes, was a tremendously effective pastor for decades uh, in one of the cities in the United States. His heart was broken when he accidentally killed his best friend while they were on a hunting trip. Imagine a pastor sadly killing his best friend on a hunting trip. His daughter said that she never heard him laugh after that day. Truett had a radio program, and each day when it came to a close Uh, To close, he would say, be good to everybody. Be good to everybody because everybody is having a tough time. Because he knew personally what a heavy burden people could be carrying, he encouraged compassion toward them. We never know what the other person is going through. They seem off center. There's something going on. The lift doesn't go all the way to the top, we might say. They're acting peculiar. But there might be something deep down inside that is going on that we don't know about. And so I'm excited about the connection between uh, three words. The first one is parakletos, the parakletos. In John chapter 14, he leaves the parakletos, the, the comforter and the counselor for you and for me. Remember the disciples were, were upset that Jesus said that he's leaving and he's going to go away. And instead... He says, don't worry, I'm going to send you the paraklitos, the one who comes parallel next to you and breathes fresh heart into you. He is the Holy Spirit, the paraklitos. But then we also have this book called the paraklesis, the paraklesis, the book of encouragement, the Bible. The one that when we open, breathes fresh heart into us. That even if it's a rebuke, that's good news because I could be way uh, off the path. And when I read this book, it's as if it comes alive. And it's a word of encouragement because if 
we know God, and I get rebuked by His Word. It's as if the Holy Spirit is speaking to me, saying, come back to the path that you're supposed to be uh, leading. And then we have parakaleo, this word uh, which means encouragement. The word that means to come alongside, just as the paraklitos came alongside them, to comfort and counsel. And then, uh, just as this word that comes from God's, uh, the, the Bible, comes alongside us to breathe fresh heart into us. So you and I are to breathe fresh heart into those we come into contact with. When somebody's feeling down and out, we can come alongside them and say, come on, come on. We can put our shoulders as were, under their armpit and lift them up and carry them along the way and say, come on, we can do it together because we live in community. You see, Paul needed encouragement, and Barnabas was an encourager to him. You and I, as I said earlier, need encouragement. We need uh, uh, to be lifted up, but because we need to be lifted up, so do others, and so we become encouragers ourselves. And every Christian is called to encourage. And so, imagine Paul in this difficult time feeling the weight of the world on his back because they wouldn't believe him because before he was messing up, before he was persecuting Christians, now he wants to tell them about the Lord Jesus Christ. Maybe to trap them. No, because God had really transformed his, heart, his life. And so what does Paul do? He can, he, there's a number of options. Let me go this alone. Let me sort it out on my own. I'm going to just carry on doing what I'm called to do. Or he could just become this absolute uh, rogue who could say, I don't care what people think. And, you know, I'm just going to go and do whatever. And you find people like that as well. Or realizing that life is for real and we only have one opportunity at it, he was able to uh, cash in, if you like, on the encouragement that he received from Barnabas. Dietrich Bonhoeffer, that great theologian, in the next slide said this, Christian community is like the Christian's sanctification. It is a gift of God which we cannot claim. Only God knows the real state of our fellowship, of our sanctification. What may appear weak and trifling to us may be great and glorious to God. Just as the Christian should not be constantly feeling his spiritual pulse, so too the Christian community has not been given to us by God for us to be constantly taking its temperature. The more thankfully we daily receive what is given to us, the more surely and steadily will fellowship increase and grow from day to day as God pleases. And so we are blessed to be a blessing. God has added to us even in difficult times, to encourage others. I'll never forget that when I was um, at Bible college, uh, I, had a, I had a car in Johannesburg, and I was first year, and there was a third-year student, I'll never forget him, Peter Mokomele, and he was out in the sticks about 500 kilometers away from Bible college, and, and so we used to tease him and say, Peter, there's nothing there. You know, you've got uh, no running water, you've got no electricity. You know, what are you going to do, evangelize the cows while you're at Bible college? And so he said to me, why don't you come home with me one day? And so I had uh, the privilege of driving him home, and we just uh, interacted. And we stopped somewhere the one day, 
and my car didn't want to start. Uh, and so they had these little uh, African kids pushing my car until it started. And uh, when the car started, I stopped, and, and I'd normally have some loose change in my ashtray. Uh, and so I, I took some money out to give to them, and he said, no, you mustn't do that. Because every time they see a white man, they're going to expect money. And I'll never forget that lesson because he was actually saying to me, listen, we're all called to encourage one another. We're all called to help one another, even if we're poor. And so even poor people need to be helping, even if it's not by money, but by words, because they're part of a community. In that next clip, you'll see Christian community is the place where we keep the flame of hope alive among us, and take it seriously so that it can grow and become stronger in us. And where does that take place? It starts off in our Christian community. And so, thankfully, Paul didn't need to journey alone in this life. He didn't have to walk this path by himself. He had somebody that could actually build the bridge to lift his heart up, to be able to breathe fresh heart into him. And that man's name is Barnabas. And so I want to uh, share a few thoughts with you, what Barnabas found, what Barnabas found, firstly. You see, uh, you, you, when you go somewhere, you look around, you know, if they tell you about this one venue uh, or new town or, or new city, and you go there, you, you, you have a look and you go, wow, there's something interesting about this. You begin to, to discover, you know, uh, if you're going to live there, the libraries and the museum and, and the buildings and the transport system. Um, when we got to Darwin from Johannesburg in 2009, we discovered a beautiful city. We discovered a very hot city, uh, but uh, more importantly, we discovered Tim Tams. And, and, you know, so every time we went back to South Africa, two pairs of undies and 50 packets of Tim Tams, you know, and, uh, because we'd never seen these uh, before. And so Tim Tams and Solo that lemon uh, drink, go well together. And so kind of we, we you know, wanted to... Um, this. So that's what we'd have found, you know, when we got to, to Darwin. But other people find different things. But for Barnabas, he discovered the grace of God. In Acts chapter 11, verse 23, uh, it says, When he arrived and saw what the grace of God had done, he was glad and encouraged them all to remain true to the Lord with all their hearts. It's interesting there what he says. He discovered the grace of God, the chari, the charis of God, and that made him glad, chero. You see, when you discover the chari, the grace of God, then you're able to be glad, chero. Why? Because it, it impacts you in such a way that you cannot shut up about it because the reason for the filling is the overflow. You tell somebody about what you've discovered. We discovered Tim Tams. Barnabas discovered the grace of God. He could not shut up about it. It made him glad. There was this transformation uh, that took place. And it says he discovered the grace of God, and he was glad and encouraged them all to remain true. He encouraged them. He got alongside them, and he said, listen, this is what I have discovered. And they could see it. They could see it. How could they see it? Not only in one way, but in a number of ways. Because, you know, you, you don't have to cut up a tree uh, through the bark and into the actual tree to discover what kind of tree it is. If you look at a tree, you'll be able to discover what tree it is by the fruit that it bears. By the fruit that it bears. Well, Galatians 5, and 23. The fruit, singular fruit, 
of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Those nine fruit all of us are to have. Different from the gifts, there are nine or more gifts. We're not all to have those. That's plural. But Galatians 5, and 23 talks about the fruit, singular. We're all to have that fruit, and people could see it in his life. People could see it the way he conducted himself. It was evident through his outward conduct. And folk, when the grace of God comes into somebody, when it pierces their heart and mind, people change. That one who was vicious before now becomes gentle. That person who was a drunkard before now becomes sober. That person who was a drug addict before now becomes sober because he's discovered the grace of God, I suggest to you. It's something that changes your life, and it's evident on the outside. Are we on a journey together? Absolutely. But we're there to encourage one another on that journey. You could see it in his life. We read in 1 John 3.14, we know that we have passed from death to life because we love each other. So anybody who claims that they're a child of God loves other people. They love other people. And that word passed from death to, from death to life means I've, that they've moved from one place to another. Before they were ex-Christ, outside of Christ. Now they're in Christ. And that's exactly what John is writing to, uh, to us about. He's saying, you know, people uh, can say that they love God and do the right things or think that they're doing the right things. No, it's hard work, it's drudgery. But when the grace of God comes in, it's evident, and it was certainly evident in Barnabas. He uh, got attached to the Scriptures, and he was able to quote the Old Testament to those he came in touch with. His speech began to change when he discovered the Lord Jesus Christ. Born a Jew, but came to faith to follow the Lord Jesus Christ. His speech had changed. He would have known what Jesus taught because he told those Pharisees, he says, be careful how you speak, you brood of vipers. How can you who are evil say anything good? For the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. And because Barnabas experienced the grace of God, he found it. He found the grace of God. He was able to share it. Secondly, who was Barnabas? It says in Acts eleven twenty four that he was a good man. And there are two words for good in the Greek. The one is kalos, where we get uh, the English word kali, something calligraphy, nice writing. It's aesthetically good. It's good on the eye. But the word that's used here is the word agathos, which means there was a God good in him. Because he'd experienced God, he wasn't just good looking. No, he'd, he, was, he changed inside. There was this moral goodness within him. Not kalos, but agathos. He was uh, transformed from the inside, and he changed, it says. Full of the Holy Spirit and faith, and a great number of people were brought to the Lord. He became kind and pleasant and attractive to people because that's what godly people do. They're at, the world uh, looks at them, and uh, we attract the world because we are, we are supposed to be positive. We attract those who, who want to be like us because we practice the fruit of the Spirit, and that goes out because we all want to be good deep down inside. And so 
11, Acts 11.24 carries on and says that he was full of the Holy Spirit. And folk, you know, it's not, there, there are many good people on this earth, but many lack the Holy Spirit as well. For them, just doing good is, oh, they grew up in a good home and, and, you know, they do good things. But if you lack the Holy Spirit, you're missing it, I suggest to you. Remember, Jesus loved a young man, but he lacked the Holy Spirit. He lacked the Holy Spirit. And so the kingdom of God was not within him. And folk, the Holy Spirit is this gift that you and I get from God, from His grace. When we open our hearts to Him, He fills us with His grace. Not everybody can say Jesus is Lord, but by the Holy Spirit, Jesus said to them. But by the Holy Spirit. And folk, you begin to see it. Because the children of God, followers of the Lord Jesus Christ, who are filled with the Holy Spirit, are led by the Holy Spirit. They pray to God. They walk as if Christ is within them. They live in the Spirit. And it says that he was full of faith. He was full of faith. He went and encouraged those, even in difficult times. He continued to be with them. He encouraged them to follow the things of God. It comes out when the Holy Spirit is within there's something about a, a man and woman who, who follows the Lord Jesus Christ, not drudgingly, but has the Holy Spirit within and is led by the Holy Spirit. And folks, that's important. In Ecclesiastes chapter 8, verse 1, we read, Who is like the wise? Who knows the explanation of things? A person's wisdom brightens their faith and changes its hard appearance. When the Holy Spirit comes within, now I'm not saying let's walk around with a smile on our face, I love Jesus, you know, tattoo uh, you know, on our forehead. No. What you are full of will be evident to those that come in contact with you. It even comes out in your facial expressions, as it were. Proverbs 15, 13, a happy heart makes the face cheerful, but heartache crushes the spirit. So when we have a heavy heart, it's evident. Acts 6, 15, all who were sitting, listen to this, a man who is about to be stoned to death, his name is Stephen, Acts chapter 6, all who were sitting in the Sanhedrin, those Jewish gurus, those spiritual gurus, if you like, the Hasidim, those who were in charge, um, the, the Sanhedrin, looked intently at Stephen and they saw that his face was like the face of an angel. You see, Barnabas, oh, sorry, Stephen discovered who God was. And he didn't know what his future held, but he knew who held his future. And folk, not only was Barnabas a founder of God's grace, but he was able to show it. That's who he was deep down inside. Imagine one day when we die and they will call us, wow, what an encourager that person was. And so my third point there, what Barnabas did. What Barnabas did. Well, he encouraged. <laughs> he encouraged. He was known as the son of encouragement because he encouraged. He comforted them. He encouraged them. And how did he do this? Well, we read uh, in Acts 11, 23, he encouraged them all to remain true to the Lord with all their hearts. He encouraged them in a way that brought them back to God. 
hey, listen up. It's important to abide with God. Now, the word abide, it doesn't mean to pop in every now and then. No, it means to stay there. Yes, we pop in somewhere else on holiday. We pop in to family and friends, but we always come home. We come home. That's what that word menor means. We abide there. That's where we stay. And so he encouraged them to come back to God, whether they were young and new converts, to hold on to God, whether they were old and seasoned, to hold on to God, because God was in control, to continue to abide with God in their hearts, it says. It also says that they are to have purpose, to actually decide to follow God and to remain in Him. You know, uh, a man shall leave his father and mother and cleave to his wife. That's the concept behind this verse there, that they cleave onto God with all their hearts. That concept of, of leave and cleave, it's, um, the, the one way I heard it being described is that here is a man who has one big jacket. He takes that jacket off and he puts his arm in one sleeve and he puts his partner, his wife's arm, in the other sleeve, and they become one. And so what did Barnabas do? He encouraged them to turn to God and to cleave to Him, to remain in Him. With what? With all their hearts. In other words, with purpose, with intention to continually come back to God. And folks, that's encouragement. When we're down and out and say, I don't know where God is in all of this, for you and I to rally around that person, say, hang in there, man. God knows what's going on. It might be a quiet time, but in that quiet time, be still and know that He's God. Psalm 46, verse 10. Be still and know that God is God. And so who did He do it to? It says, to all to all, that individually and collectively. So there was no uh, racism or impartiality. No, he spoke to the rich and to the poor, to Jews and to Gentiles. He was able to build them up. No discrimination in the kingdom of God. And so we read in Acts 9, 27, but Barnabas took him and brought him, talking about Paul, to the apostles, he told them how Saul on his journey had seen the Lord and that the Lord had spoken to him and how in Damascus he had preached fearlessly in the name of Jesus. Now, folk, I've only been in this country for about 13 years, but I'm told we're going back to this very effective uh, way of doing things called storytelling. Well, Barnabas told his story about what happened with Saul, who became Paul. Saul, who became Paul, he was able to tell their story, his story. And folk, that's so effective because as we share our story, if somebody comes knocking on, on your door and wants to tell you about kind of certain things, um, you, you know, you, you, you begin to share the gospel. There's some, uh, this one cult that comes knocking on our doors. And they want to tell us, you know, they leave us little brochures and they want to twist the scriptures and come and tell us. But no one can ever deny a story, a true story, not a far-fetched story about what Jesus did for you and for me. No one can deny that because it's a story of his glory. The word glory meaning fame. As I share my story with those people, they cannot dispute it. They cannot deny it because Jesus is involved in it and they cannot uh, deny the truth of who Jesus is. The church 
has this unconditional obligation in that next slide. This unconditional obligation to the victims of any ordering society, even if they do not belong to the Christian community. I was going to um, bring two chairs up, but time's running out, so I'll leave it. So if you want to hear more of it, come to Grit tomorrow. Watch you. The way we sit, the way we, we can conduct ourselves to, to be encouragers, um, I'll, I'll share that with you another time. But in that next slide, you'll see that it's amazing what words can do. It's amazing what words can do. We know that they can break people down, but they can also build people up. And I want to uh, share a story with you about the, the power of a mother's words. When the great painter Benjamin West, and, and uh, this is a story I found, Benjamin West was this great painter in the 1700s. Uh, he was a young boy who decided to draw a picture of his sister. And he got out bottles of ink and succeeded in making an absolute mess. An absolute mess. And when his mother got home, she said, what a beautiful picture. And kissed him. Later in life, he said, that kiss made me a painter. It's amazing what words can do. She could have said, mate, she must have been Australian, mate, Benjamin, what a mess. And he would have put it all away and never touched it again. But she built him up with the words that she spoke. Hebrews 3.13 says, But encourage one another daily, as long as it is called today, so that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. Friends, it's amazing how one good word can go a long way. One good word can go a long way. Dr. Larry Crabb, in his book Encouragement, wrote this. Encouragement is not the responsibility of the gifted few. It is the privilege of every believer. It is the privilege of every believer. If you've experienced the grace of God, if He has touched your heart, it's a privilege to be able to encourage somebody else. And you never know what God can do. Let me read you a story in that final slide there about uh, a little boy. Remember the song, He Ain't Heavy, He's My Brother? Well, those iconic words have symbolized the spirit of Boys Town for decades, but many people don't know how it originated. Back in 1918, a boy named Howard Loomis was abandoned by his mother at Father Flanagan's home for boys which had opened just a year earlier. Howard had polio and wore heavy leg braces. Walking was difficult for him, especially when he had to go up or downstairs. Soon, several of the home's older boys were carrying Howard up and down the stairs. One day, Father Flanagan asked Reuben Granger, one of those older boys, if carrying Howard was hard. And Reuben replied, He ain't heavy. He's my brother. story doesn't end there. Later on, Father Flanagan heard about what happened. And in 1943, they took on this, this uh, tag, he ain't heavy, he's my brother, for all those 
troubled kids who go to a home where they're able to build one another up. That's what they are taught to do. That picture there of a little boy was taken in 1945. It's this little Japanese boy standing at attention after having brought his dead brother. You see his dead brother with his neck like that had walked miles to bring his dead brother to a cremation pyre uh, at the end of the war. And the soldiers said to him in their language, didn't you get tired carrying this little boy? And he said the equivalent of, he ain't heavy, he's my brother. Well, friends, in the church, as followers of Christ, we should be singing this non-Christian song with powerful Christian connotations. He ain't heavy, he's my brother. Why? Because we're all on a journey together. Perhaps you don't need help now, but one day you will need help. I've made a little card for everybody. When you exit, grab one on the table as you exit. It's a little card that says, this is just a little note to say a big thank you for being so awesome. I appreciate you and wish you many blessings. Continue the great life you're living by being a blessing, be encouraged. And I've put Philippians 1, 9 to 11 there. Take one. Don't keep it though. Give it to somebody. Give it to somebody. Be an encourager. Be an encourager. Because we're called, like Barnabas, to breathe fresh heart into those we come into contact with. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for your word to our hearts. Thank you for the, the disciples, Lord, that we've been able to read about and how effective, Lord, they have been in your kingdom. Thank you, Lord, that you've called them as wonderful examples for us to follow to serve you. Thank you for the life of Barnabas. Thank you, Lord, that he was such an encouragement that he was able to rally around Paul and other believers, Lord, to build them up. Lord, we pray that we might do the same. Thank you for his life. Thank you for his testimony. May we be known to be sons and daughters of encouragement for your honor and for your glory. Help us to do that, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand together and sing our final chorus. Let's bellow it. Uh, from deep down inside.